0: Happy Monday, everyone. This is Rob McDougall with Zeng Financial on Halloween, October 31st, 2022, with your economic weekly update. So as always, we'll look at economic data from last week, see how the markets responded to that data, and then preview some of the key economic data that's coming out this week. So last week was a huge week in terms of economic data that was delivered. We'll start off with Tuesday. Uh, The October consumer confidence number was put out by the government. Now this is the government index, the conference board, so it differs from the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index, which comes out in two weeks. So the consumer conference board, the October consumer confidence number actually came out disappointing. Uh, The expectation was a reading of 105.5. It came out at 102.5. Now think of all these data points that we'll go through here, both for this week and for next week, as inputs for the Federal Reserve on their rate decisions. So the fact that consumer confidence is down is actually probably a factor for the Fed to consider not being as aggressive as they have been. But we'll talk more about that in just a bit. Uh, Wednesday, last Wednesday, we had new home sales that came in slightly positive. So the expectation was five hundred and seventy five thousand new home sales. Uh, It came in at six hundred and three thousand. It's well down from the month before at six seventy seven, but did beat expectations on Thursday. The biggest data point last week, U.S. third quarter, 2022 GDP. Uh, it was great to see this number because the first two quarters we had negative real gdp growth so there was constant discussion about whether or not we were in a recession and this should at least uh, put those discussions away for at least another three months so the number came in at a positive 2.6 percent that's a really solid reading and i just think it's positive all the way around in that it wasn't hyper growth so in terms of inflation shouldn't cause much concern uh, but it was still very strong growth, particularly since the first two quarters. The first quarter was a negative 1.6%. Second quarter was a negative 06 So that 2.6%, we are almost flat year to date. Again, would suggest that we don't have a real demand problem like excess demand. And again, we just think a lot of the inflation is supply driven, particularly on the energy side. So on Friday, last week, Friday, we did have an inflation number, actually two that were important, and they counteracted each other, I think. PCE prices, personal consumption expenditure. Um, We often talk about inflation in terms of the CPI, Consumer Price Index, but the federal government, I should say the Federal Reserve, has often used PCE, personal consumption expenditure, as their preferred methodology uh, or gauge for inflation. So while you may recall CPI is running roughly 8.2%, the PCE index uh, came in on Friday at 6.2% year-over-year. Now, that was a little bit above expectations of 6.1%. So again, how does that impact the Fed? Well, I do think it was offset by the core PCE prices listed the same day. The core, which excludes food and energy, was up 5.1%. Year over year, which is a little bit below consensus of 5.2. So, net net, what does that do to the Federal Reserve, uh, who has said they're going to be increasing two more times this year and at least once next year? Well, it did change the odds a little bit in terms of what we should expect by the end of the year. The probability now for only a 1.25% increase on the November and December meeting combined. That rose from 33% the week before to 48% on Friday, simply meaning investors are hedging a bit and expecting maybe we get 75 basis points this week's Open Market Committee meeting decision on Wednesday, uh, and then maybe 50 in the December meeting. But uh, probability, again, is split about 50-50, 48% uh, that will um, get 125 through the end of the year, the next two meetings, 48.4%, that will get 1.5%. Now, the last thing last week in terms of data points, S&P earnings, uh, so I don't have a composite estimate. Uh, they, As of the week before, 72% of companies had reported above expectations, but um, in terms of individual stocks last week, we had a number that reported the big tech companies, and you may recall tech has been down quite a bit this year. It's the worst performing sector. Uh, we had some very negative uh, news releases, earnings releases, on four of the big previously FANG stocks, Facebook, now called Meta, uh, Google, Microsoft, and Amazon. All four of them disappointed last week, and their stocks were hit hard. Now, conversely, one they held up was Apple, good, because that's the largest market cap In the U.S. Uh, But secondly, two of the cyclicals, uh, Caterpillar and Honeywell. So bottom line is earnings were good on average last week, I'd say net-net, and the economic news I think was very favorable, leading investors to think the Federal Reserve will move off their tightening stance sometime early next year. So last week, in terms of how the indexes did, S&P 500 up nearly 4%. The big winner, small cap stocks. The Russell 2000 last week was up 6%. And last week, value continued to outperform growth. This is the one of the most impressive stories this year. So last week, value was up about 5.4%. Growth had a great week, but only up 4.0%. So on a year-to-date basis, growth is now down 33.3% as of Friday, down 33.3% value in the U.S. is down only 2.25 percent. So that's been great for our client portfolios on balance. Also last week, um, we had the uh, international markets do nearly as well. In fact, the uh, world index X us actually slightly outperformed the S&P 500. It was up 4.14 percent. But within that, uh, the real loser was China. China had a miserable week, down nearly 9%. Year-to-date, China is down 43%. Horrible, obviously. Most of our portfolios, however, have very little exposure, direct exposure, to China. Again, that helps our portfolio relative performance. In terms of interest rates last week, uh, both the 2-year and the 10-year, Came down. The two year was down eight basis points in terms of yield. The 10 year was down 19 basis points. So fixed income had a good week, which is the first time in a while. Uh, The Bloomberg Aggregate Bond Index was up 1.65%. That cuts the losses on a year to date down to 15.4%, let's call it. So fixed income and equities both with a very strong week last week based on economic uh, releases as well as earnings. So let's turn to economic data to be released this week. Tomorrow, Tuesday, the ISM Manufacturing Index. This is very closely watched, particularly for this month. The October consensus is for 49.8. For those of you who have heard me talk about this over the years, you know that the demarcation level is 50 for this index. It's scaled to 50, so below 50 means contraction, above 50 means expansion, the higher the better, the lower the worse. So uh, prior month was 50.9, so barely over the 50 level. It's expected to be 49.8. So investors will be keenly focused on that. On Wednesday, the big one for the week, uh, the Federal Open Market Committee decision rate, rate decision, will be announced on Wednesday. Now, the expectation has been leading up to last week pretty much 99% chance of 75 basis point increase by the Fed to be handed down on Wednesday. It's still the case that it's likely to happen, but now the probability in terms of the Fed fund futures market, 86% probability that we're going to see that 75 basis point increase, but now a 14% probability that we'll only see 50. Bottom line is I'm pretty confident we're going to see the 75. I don't think there was enough data last week to confirm weakness in the U.S. economy. So best bet is the Fed will increase by 70 basis, 75 basis points on Wednesday. Wednesday. So we'll see. Thursday, the ISM non-manufacturing. So this is the service component. And on Tuesday, we're going to see the manufacturing number. Thursday. We'll see the services number. Services has held up much better this year. Last month, that index was at 56.7. The expectation for the October reading is it's going to slump a little bit, go from that 56.7 last month down to 55 in October. But again, this is still a very strong, very healthy indicator if we're still at that level. Well, that's it. Those are the three big economic releases that'll come up this week. Um, We'll review those uh, early next week, next Monday, and we'll leave it here. Last thing I'll mention is that we did finish our last client meeting uh, in Ada last week in person. So all those were great. We had over over. I believe it was 700 participants uh, between the Portage, Detroit, Ada, and the Zoom um, version of it that we had last Thursday. And for any of you that have an interest in seeing that Zoom presentation, just let your client service manager know. We'll send you the link for the replay.
1: Hi, everyone. I know the market being very difficult the past six months. Uh, As of year today, which is October 21st, uh, the market down, NASDAQ down 30%, and SP500 down over 20%. So it's been very difficult. Doesn't matter what type of risk you take, you can be a conservative based on the Morningstar conservative risk benchmark. It's down 17%. You can be aggressive, and the uh, year today is down 22% as of October 21st, 2022. So just want to remind everyone the market can be up and down and sometimes down. Everyone losing money. I do have a clients mention to me, say, how about Warren Buffett? Because Warren Buffett mentioned rule number one, never lose money. Rule number two, don't forget rule number one. So it's a, Warren Buffett never losing money? Is that possible? So let's take a look at the information here. So when Warren Buffett was asked by CNBC reporter in 2009 how it felt to have lost 40% of his lifetime accumulation of capital, he said it felt about the same as it had the previous three times it had happened. That means at least happened four times based on his answer. So again, when the market going, went down, everyone losing money, as long your you in the market, right? Unless you put in the cash. So people say, how about just leave the money in the cash position? Well, if you did leave the money in the cash position, the last three or five years, you pretty much make nothing. With interest at the time is 0.1%. So you will make absolutely nothing for the previous three or five years, right? So... Again, you won't have any gain. Maybe you won't have any loss. But for long-term equity market, always doing better. Okay, we beat any fixed income investment for long-term. So again, focus on long-term, diversify portfolio, and talk with your financial advisors, invest in low-cost investment vehicle, and everything will work out. But be patient is the key. Thank you for watching. And if you any if you have any questions, feel free to talk with me or any of our financial advisors. Thank you.